I want to talk to you about who Christ is in you. Once you ask Christ into your life, uh, first service we talked about what it means to be under the control of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This one I want to talk about who he is, uh, that name that we sang about just a minute ago. Uh, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Isaiah 9. But before we read there, I want us to pray a prayer that we've used before each of the services, and we'll do that throughout this week, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And I, I got a, something I want to challenge you to do. Uh, this will mess the kitchen up really bad. I know that, but it's okay. Uh, they can handle it. I'll go without if, we, if I need to. Um, I want you to think about who you might bring with you to dinner tomorrow night here and stay for the evening service. Uh, tomorrow night, God willing, I'm going to be talking about your purpose in life. There is a purpose. God has a plan for you. Uh, and I want you to fulfill that purpose. And we're going to talk about uh, your purpose in life tomorrow night. But before we do that, I want us to pray, Lord, speak to me. Those four words, that's why we're here. Uh, I want him to speak to me. I want him to speak to you. And I want each of us to be obedient. So I want us to pray that prayer together out loud. Lord, speak to me. Let's pray together. Lord, speak to me. Lord, we give you these few moments and we ask that you will speak to us and we ask that we will be obedient to the sweet, sweet voice of your spirit. And Lord, if there's anybody here that has never really discovered the name of Jesus, they've never really turned their life over to you, I pray that before this hour is over, they will have made the most important decision in all of life, and that is to know you. And so we pray that, God, you will speak to each of us and that we will be obedient in Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 9, uh, almost um, 600 years before Christ was born, God the Holy Spirit moved on the prophet Isaiah, and he said some very important things about the coming Messiah. So if you have your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as men rejoice when drinking the plunder, dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. But what does that mean to you this Sunday morning in Fredericksburg, Virginia, at Salem Fields Church? So what that over 2,600 years ago, 800 years ago, he was called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of What's so important about a name? You know, na names are important. 
I mean, I know how much Barb and I thought about the names of our children before they were born. Um, actually, I was born Mark Wingfield. That's true. This is a true story. And my sister, my older sister, said, I'm going to call him Steve. I don't care what you name him. <laughs> and my parents changed, <laughs> and I became Steve. Names are important. I think I'd have made a good mark, too, but I mean, Steve, Bible names are important. For instance, Adam means earth, the father of all created. From the dust of the earth, God created Adam. Benjamin was named at birth, by his dad as he was being born. He should be called Benoni. His mom named him Benoni as she was dying. And you know what Benoni means in Hebrew? That's the son of my sorrow. That little rascal cost me my life. <laughs> That's what she was saying. His dad later changed his name to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Names are important. And God said there's going to be one who's born and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. But what does that mean to us? Well, let me unpackage it for you this morning. See, when we ask Christ to come into our lives, as we talked about first hour, we become the dwelling place of God. Ephesians 2 2.22, I am the dwelling place of God. The God of all creation has taken up residence in you if you know him in a personal way. And I'd like you to say with me on the count of three, I, if you know him, I am the dwelling place of God, okay? One, two, three. I am the dwelling place of God. That is awesome that God of all creation has taken up residence in me and everything that he is is at my disposal, he is taking up residence in me. Who is he? He's wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I want to, here's everyone on the back. Wonderful. What does that mean to you this Sunday morning? He's wonderful. I'm going to give you five Ds so you can write them down, okay? He's wonderful to take care of the dullness of life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life, and that you might have that life more abundantly. And that word abundant, literally translated from the Greek, means that life might be full, it might be meaningful, it might have purpose and direction. That's his plan for us. He's wonderful to know that I've been forgiven by God. Wonderful to know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Wonderful to know to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Wonderful to know that devil and all of his demons cannot defeat us because greater is he, wonderful in me, than he that's in the world. That's who our God is. He doesn't want us to live in despair. He wants us to live in victory. He's wonderful, my friend. The enemy of your soul is the one that brings despair and destruction and death. See, John 10, 10 says, I came that you might have life, you might have it more abundantly, but before that it says the enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy. If you have Christ in your life, he's there to be wonderful in you. As a follower of Christ, and I know there are all kinds of personalities, <coughs> but I don't believe God wants us to live in despair and depression. God wants us to live in victory. And I want you to get caught up in the wonder of knowing him. The wonder of knowing that your sins have been forgiven. Just think about that. The devil and all of his demons cannot 
point a condemning finger at you. He said, I'll remove your sin as far as the east is from the west and never remember it again. That's our God. And if you've asked him to come in your life, are you caught up in the wonder of knowing that? See, sin tries to destroy that. Sin steals that wonder from us. Sin separates us from God. But him in a bottle of water, please. Are you caught up in the wonder of knowing him? Just think for a few moments about who you were before you came to Christ. What's that? I will. I'm, I'm good right there. The wonder of knowing that my sins have been forgiven, the wonder of knowing that he accepted me into his family, that's who you are in Christ. I want you to accept that and rejoice. He came to give us wonder. <coughs> Secondly, he's my counselor. And as my counselor, he came to help me with the decisions of life. Discernment. He wants us to know what we're doing, which way to go. This is the way. Walk ye in it. That's discernment. That's counsel. He is our counselor. Scripture says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's who he wants to be in you, but I've got to turn to him. I've got to go to him. I've got to ask him. I've got to bring him into my life. I've got to feed him by his word. I, I, I spend time with him so that he counts your word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. He's there to be our counselor, to help us with all the decisions of life. We don't have to wonder about what we're going to do. <coughs> Excuse me. Someone shared this with me a number of years ago, and I, in fact, I know who it is. I'm going to have lunch with it tomorrow, Dr. Myron Augsburg, when I was in college, about how do you know God's will? See, his word helps us know his will. God will never ask you to do anything or ask me to do anything that's contrary to his word. There are, so there are certain things I don't even need to pray about. He's already spoken. For instance, thou shall not kill. <laughs> you don't even, somebody might make you so mad you want to, you know. No, you don't even pray about that. Uh, should I commit adultery? No, God's already spoken. You don't pray about that. So if the word is spoken, you already know what you should do. That's why we want to hide his word in our heart. Secondly, we pray about it. He said we have an invitation to come into his presence at any moment, any time, any day, 24-7. He's always there, and he wants us to come in with him. That's what prayer is, just talking to God the way you would your best friend. So you want to spend time communing with him in prayer. Thirdly, his spirit bears witness with our spirit. We have peace about a certain situation. That's how we, we know we're in the center of God's will. Fourthly, he opens doors and he closes doors, circumstances. And then I like to add a fifth, which is my brotherhood, those persons that know me best. For me, it would be my wife, Barb. It'd be my children, my, my son-in-law, my daughter-in-law, and I have an accountability group that I meet with. And when all five of those things line up, I can move forward knowing that I know that I know that I'm in the center of God's will. See, now God can do whatever he wants to do. He can say, hey, Steve, he's not done that to me. 
but he could. But he's given me everything that I need so that I can know his will. He wants to be my counselor, and that's how he counsels me. That's why the body, uh, Gay talked about class 101 and, and what it means to be a part of the body at Salem. We need the body. You know, Scripture says, forsake ye not the assembling of yourselves together. There's something about coming together as a body that gives me strength, that helps me know that I'm in the center of God's will. You know, if you take a bunch of wood and you put, a, put it in a pile and you set it on fire, it's a bonfire. It puts off a whole lot of light and a whole lot of heat. You reach in there and take one of those and lay it over here by itself. What happens? It goes out. We need each other. That helps me know that I'm on course. You need people speaking into your life, your pastors, your friends, your small group, so that he can counsel you. So the word, we pray. He gives us peace, circumstances, and the brotherhood. So he's wonderful to take care of the dullness of life. He's my counselor to help me with all the decisions. He's my mighty God. And as my mighty God, he takes up residence in us to help us with all the demands of life. There are all kinds of demands that come our way. Life's not always easy. You know that. It's just, that's life. Doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It's just life. And he says, I want to... Meet the demands in your life. I want to be your mighty God. You know, I love, I, I forget who said that. I think maybe, uh, yeah, he said this during worship. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. I love Old Testament characters. <laughs> uh, I treat them and named their son David. I, I, I like King David. You know, man after God's own heart. Yeah, he messed up some, but he was a man after God's own heart. And I like to sort of imagine the story. And, you know, David was the youngest of all the family. His brothers were off at war. And they're down there fighting. And, and finally, he just said, take them some food. They've been down there a while. And I think David is a teenager. He couldn't wait to get there to see some action. I mean, he wanted to see some battle. He wanted to see some blood. <laughs> and he goes down and hears the army of Israel's hiding in tents. And this guy, giant comes out and says, come on out and fight us. You win, we'll serve you. I win, you serve us. David says, let's go get him. Shut up, David. It's a giant out there. David said, I'll go. You just came down here to cause trouble, little brother. Get out of here. Somebody sent word to Saul. I said, this kid down there. I said, he'll go fight him. He said, bring him up here. And Saul says, you're just a kid. You can't go like that. He said, take my armor. He said, no, I can't take that. I'll take my slingshot. And he had three stones, five stones. I mean, Four stones. I forget how many stones. He had a bunch of stones. <laughs> anyway, why did he have all those stones? Because I think Goliath had four brothers. Okay. <laughs> what did he say? He said, today they're going to know that there's a God in Israel. And rather than seeing a giant, David said, God's delivered a lion, a bear. Man, that guy's so big I can't miss him. It's all a matter of perspective. When you know you have mighty God in your life to meet the demands of life, you don't have to fear life. See, I win either way. I said last night, you know, if you die, you go be with the Lord. If you live, you serve him. So either way, you win. We are here to represent him as our mighty God. And the world needs to see a mighty God in us as his representative. And he is mighty God so that he can meet all the demands of life. Are you depending on him as mighty God?
I don't know what you're going through. It may be physical right now. It may be financial. It may be marriage. It may be... And the battle's raging. And you need a mighty God. That's who he wants to be. That's who's in your life. If you ask him to come into your life, you've got the whole package, my friend. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's your mighty God. And we need to rely on him as our mighty God. Fourthly, he's my everlasting father. And as my everlasting father, he comes into my life to help me through all the dimensions of life. You know, life has all kinds of dimensions. I, I'm in a different phase of life than I was 30 years ago. I can't do everything I used to do. It's just a fact. I'm in a different phase of life. I mean, I, I used to run and enjoy it. I think about that now, but I lay down and it goes away. Um, <laughs> I played football. I, I love football. I, I, there's no way I want to get out there. I, several years I was speaking out in St. Louis, and I happened to be in the same hotel as I think, uh, I don't know if it was Green Bay or whoever it was, and I get on the elevator, and there are about five guys, about three times my size. Whoa. I could not imagine being hit by one of those guys now. I, I'm at a totally different phase of life. It's okay. I'm enjoying this phase of my life. You know, there's one thing you learn from your grandparent. You thank God for your son-in-law's headlights and taillights. Um, I'm in a different phase of life. <laughs> I love my grandkids. But, you know, Barbara and I look at each other after they leave and say, whew, you know, there's a reason you have kids when you're young. I mean, I love them to pieces, but, you know, when my daughter shows up, she's got six. My son, he, she lives in Nashville, and, and David and his wife and two kids live in Harrisonburg, and they want to be with Michelle, too, so the whole gang moves into our house, and we got eight, and plus, I mean, it's, it's a challenge, but it's fun. But, boy, when they're gone, whoa, you know. <laughs> God wants to be my everlasting father, and I want to be a good granddad. I do. I want to be a good granddad. I want this phase of my life to be everything that God wants it to be. And he's taking me through this phase of my life just like he took me through the other phases. And he has a place of ministry for all of us. I don't know if you remember this, but I used my mom as this example when I had the flags here last year. My mom taught me a lot about that. At 86, she moved into a retirement home. And she'd been a pastor's wife and always involved in ministry, always using the gift of hospitality, using her home to represent Jesus. She moved into this retirement home, and I was down there to visit her, and, hey, you like it? Oh, I like it. Well, what, what all you do? They got crafts and field trips. And she said, on Tuesday and Thursday, I volunteer to read to the old people. <laughs> At 86, my mom couldn't do what she used to do, okay? That's just a fact. But guess what? She still found a place of ministry. And God has a place for you here to use the gifts that he's entrusted to you, to invest in others, regardless of where you fit on that spectrum, young, middle, toward the other end. Either way, there's a place of ministry. God wants to use you to take you through all the phases of life as your everlasting father. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. He's my everlasting Father. And 50 billion years from tonight, or this morning, I'm going to be living on with him because he's my everlasting Father. 
See, I'm living, you're living, if you know Christ in a person, you're living in eternity right now. We're just getting warmed up for what it's going to be like to serve him there. Your everlasting father. Wonderful to take care of the dullness of life. Counselor to help us with the decisions of life. Mighty God to help us with the demands of life. Everlasting father to take us through all the dimensions of life. And my prince of peace to help me with the disturbances of life. Life is filled with disturbances. But God does not want us to be ruled by our disturbances. He wants to speak peace into our life. He is the prince of peace. A peace that passes, I love the way Paul writes, all comprehension. In other words, you can't figure it out intellectually. It's just a spiritual fact. Even in the midst of the storm, he can speak peace. And that's the way he wants us to live at peace with who he is and where he is. So I don't know what's going on in your life this morning, but I want you to recognize who's on board your ship. If you've invited him to come in, you got the package, my friend. He's wonderful. Do you know him this morning as your wonderful Savior? A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. A wonderful Savior to me. He pardoned my soul. He wrote my name. He adopted me in. I'm his child. What a wonderful Savior. He's my counselor to help me with all the decisions of life. Maybe you're struggling with what you should do next, who you should marry, should I marry, should I take this job. He didn't want you to go from one mistake to another. He wants to be your counselor. Will you just cry out to him and say, Lord, I need you to counsel me. I want to do what's right. I want to make a good decision. Just ask him. He said he'd answer. Maybe it's a mighty God situation for you. You need mighty God to show up. We just ask him. Lord, I, I, I can't handle this. Be honest. I can't take this. I need you to be mighty God. Or maybe you're at a phase of life that you just haven't found your niche. And you say, God, I want to be used. I, I don't know what you want me to do right now, but I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I want to be a servant in your kingdom. Show me what's next for me in this phase of my life. Maybe the storm's raging. Maybe nobody else knows, but God knows. And you just need him to be your prince of peace. Just tell him, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of carrying this. I need you to speak peace to me. I want you to be who you are in me. I need your peace. I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, I ask him for that at times, and The trick of the enemy is to take our eyes off of him and put it on the situation. Jesus teaches us a lot about that. See, the enemy comes to us at our weakest moment. 
and tries to destroy us, tries to defeat us. That's what he did with Jesus. He'd gone to the wilderness. He'd fasted for 40 days. What's one of the, I know when I've fasted and I decided to come off that fast, but all you can think about is what you want to eat. <laughs> That's what Jesus was in that situation. He said, hey, you're God. You can take those stones and make them turn into bread. And I, I think he found some little smooth river rocks that looked like a biscuit or a loaf of bread. And there have been times in my life I'd pick it up and say, yeah, it looks like a loaf of bread. <laughs> I can almost smell it. <laughs> but what did Jesus do? He says, it is written, the word, that we should not live on bread alone. You need to learn from that. And whatever the situation is, don't let the situation captivate you. Be captivated by who lives in you. Jesus is your wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He wants to be all that and more on board your ship. Would you bow with me for prayer? I want to walk us through those five things one more time. How many of you would say, in all honesty, Steve, somewhere along the line, I lost the wonder. Oh, I can remember when I first came to Christ, and the wonder was there, the joy was there, but as I sit here this morning, in all honesty, the wonder is gone. And I want you to pray that God will restore the wonder of my salvation. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Say, I want the wonder back. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. I want the wonder back. I'm tired of not having the wonder of my salvation. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Thank you. How many of you say, Steve, I'm facing in this situation and, and I need him to be my counselor. I, I really don't know what to do. I, I need his counsel. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Praise God, what a, yes, he wants to be, all that and more. Have you say, Steve, the storm's raging, maybe nobody else knows about it, but I need him to be mighty God. I just need him to show up, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, all over this, praise God. And how many of you say, I just haven't found my niche. This phase of my life, I, I, I'm, I wanna be used, I, I'm just, I haven't found where I fit right now. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you again for your honesty. God has a place for you. He wants to use you. And how many would say, I need him to be my Prince of Peace? This, I, I'm, there's turmoil, and I need peace. I'm tired of living like this. Yes. God bless you all over the place. Yes. Would you stand with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are in us. And I thank you for the honesty of everyone here this morning. I, got, I ask God that you just show up and meet every one of our needs. Just before I finish praying, let me ask one other question. Is anyone here 
not sure that if you die today, you'd go to heaven. I, I don't want to pass over that. I don't want anyone to leave without knowing that Jesus is in your life. If you've never asked him to come into your life or you're not sure and you'd like to make it sure this morning, would you say, Steve, that's me. Would you pray for me, include me in this prayer? Anyone? Thank you. All you got to do is right where you are, thank you, is say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you that you had victory over the grave. And because you live, I can live. And by faith, I confess you as my Savior. And I invite you to come in and live in my heart. Scripture says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Christ has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He wants you to know that, not think it, not hope so, know so. Scripture says, these things have been written unto you that you might know that you have the gift of eternal life. God, again, I thank you for showing up in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me say again that I don't get people just to raise their hand to, to coerce you to do something else. But I, I feel in my spirit I should say this, this this morning before the worship team. If you raise your hand, whatever the issue might be, I think it would be a great encouragement to you and give strength to the decision, the prayer that you've already prayed to just come and lay whatever that is here at the altar as an act of faith, saying, Lord, I'm laying it here, and I need you to be what I ask you to be in my life. So if you sense God's asking you to do that, as the worship team leads us, I want you to you can be a guest here. That's okay. You're among friends. This is not an invitation of condemnation. It's an invitation of reconciliation, hope, recovery, and victory. So if God the Holy Spirit speaking to you, if there's a desire in your heart, and you want him to meet that need, I just as an act of faith, come and lay it here and say, Lord, I give it to you as the worship team leads us. God bless you.